You're listening to The Bob Sadek Show, a full hour of libertarian discussion with the smartest guests on radio. Live, spontaneous, and thoughtful. It's the show of ideas, not attitude. Now, your host, Bob Zadek. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Bob Zadek Show, the longest-running live libertarian talk radio show on all of radio. For 11 years, we have been the show of ideas, never the show of attitude. Thanks so much for listening this Sunday morning. This morning, we'll be discussing an interesting subtopic on the contentious, always-in-the-news, painful to watch what our federal government is doing topic of immigration. It is for me heartbreaking to see the news every night, to see what uh, the federal government is doing in my name and presumably on my behalf to immigrant families, immigrant children at our borders. It breaks my heart and I wish, I wish I had the capacity myself to change things. But change will come, I hope, and the media has become very active, the mainstream media and not-so-mainstream media, in encouraging a change. So far, that change has not been reflected in any uh, change in process, but in furtherance of that, uh, and to encourage a change, I'm delighted to welcome to the show this morning uh, a journalist, Joe Matthews. Joe Matthews writes for uh, Zocalo Public Square. It is uh, a uh, a blog center sponsored by Arizona State University or administered by Arizona State University, and Joe's column uh, appears syndicated in many newspapers around the country. Specifically for today's show, uh, there was a piece which caught my attention in the San Francisco Chronicle. Joe's thesis in his piece and the subject of this morning's conversation is uh, Joe proposes, I will just give you the topic and Joe will expand, Joe proposes that California in particular and perhaps states in general be allowed to create and enforce and regulate their own immigration policy independent of that of the federal government. Uh, Joe, welcome to the show this morning. Great to be with you, Bob. Thanks for having me. Now, Joe, I gave a one-line, you never can summarize a thoughtful piece in one line, so please expand, uh, if you will, and tell us the thesis in your piece entitled, uh, In Great American Tradition, Let California Take Undocumented Immigrants. Sure. Um, I guess the, it's about an opening, and I, and I must say I was inspired um, by conversations with a number of different people, um, particularly uh, a fellow named Dave Moran, who's the research and policy director for the California Freedom Coalition, um, which is sometimes the butt of jokes, uh, um, there are you know different groups that have gotten notice for being on the ballot they're trying to get things on the ballot issues on the ballot to <clears throat> let california leave the union uh the freedom coalitions is the um i would say the most moderate of those proposals it, it it actually doesn't call for secession it calls for um ever seeking greater autonomy um uh, as much as possible from the federal government over the long term um the, the and then and you know and there's an 
it's the idea of residency and the idea that California should be able to determine um, who is a legal resident. Um, you know, in the Constitution and, 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 and law, federal law, um, the, the federal government in our country uh, gets to decide who citizens are. Um, you know, that's not true in all sorts of places. I spent a lot of time in Switzerland where actually your local government gets to decide who the citizen of the country is. Um, but that's a very, uh, that's a federalist, a, a truly federalist system, a strong federalist system, um, unlike, uh, unlike the U.S. Um, so that's the, the context. Um, could we protect immigrants, um, you know, the immigrants that we want to protect? Uh, could we make that decision? And I think the answer is that, um, um, that we could and, and we have begun. I mean, it's sort of a natural extension of what California has been doing. It's been... Um, people talked about a California package over over the many recent years, you know, um, from in-state tuition to, um, you know, Medi-Cal or Medicaid uh, eligibility for, you know, undocumented immigrant children. Um, there's a sort of uh, driver's licenses for undocumented folks. There's sort of a suite of things um, there. But I think the ability to say that certain people are residents uh, and we want them. I don't think it would be all undocumented immigrants. Um, um, you know, there are certainly people um, in that class that we don't uh, want necessarily in the country. Um, but there are, I think there are folks who are, you know, part of families with other Americans uh, or that serve in the military um, or hit a number of, um, um, you know, another groups that we would, would grant residency to. Um, this is not a new idea. Um, the state has a very strange body um, called the Little Hoover Commission. It's a, it's a reform body. It's a state state body, state commission um, that way back in 2002 suggested creating a golden state residency program. Uh, in the context there, um, the idea was to accelerate the in- integration of in- immigrants, all immigrants, including the undocumented in California society. Um, and so the idea there was that anyone who was participating in their local community, that was sort of the standard suggested, just should be considered a resident with the rights and responsibilities that, that entails. That might even include um, voting in local elections, as uh, is about to happen in San Francisco, where um, immigrants will be able to vote in school board elections uh, soon. So, and the idea, the way we, I would argue that this could provide protection if you were a resident, if you had a residency program, I, I think then you would then go to the federal government or perhaps to the federal government seeking ultimately a resolution where um, you can protect at least your own immigrants. And the idea is of the ones you've chosen deserve protection because of whatever status or um, whatever they've done. Um, so if somebody, if a California resident was, um, you know, in another state, for example, and the the, the ICE or the federal government grabbed and wanted to deport him or her um, under, I would, what I would like it to happen is that person had to be deported back to California. If the federal government didn't now, want Joe, to do that, Joe, just, depo- uh, just deported them anyway, they would, hold on, if they deported them anyway, they would, um, they would have, the federal government would agree to bear all the related costs of that, including um, any cost the government takes on to take care of any family they might leave behind here in the U.S. in California. Now, Joe, with these, uh, with the group of immigrants who you are protecting under this 
proposal, would they be otherwise uh, considered by the federal government to be illegal immigrants and undocumented and therefore subject to deportation? And if so, here they are living in California uh, under the protection of California residency, a new status which you have created. So now, um, wouldn't the federal government because now uh, they're still not welcome, if you will, in the legally in the rest of the United States, would the federal government have to now build its wall along the California border with Nevada? Because now all you've done is move the wall from the southern border to California's eastern border. How would you, how would you pre- prevent if the government says we don't want to keep out bad actors, and if they could come in, if they are welcome in California, or California has a different standard than the federal government, how does the federal government protect the rest of the country from doing an end run around the wall? Well, I think the issue, I mean, you know, I mean, there is a wall in California, but, you know, we we set the walls in different places. But not with Nevada. But but not with Nevada. Remember, remember, I mean, don't... Even that question is, is this foolish question. I mean, it's not like the border is the is the point of entry for people. I mean, people come into our country mostly by the airports, okay? Um, and they don't come in illegally jumping around fences. They come in legally, uh, and then uh, and then often they stay. I mean, I you know I get every kind of in your email every time you uh, you know you write about immigration, you'd say. You know, these people knew when they were coming over the border illegally. No, they didn't come over the border illegally. Most of them came legally, legal purposes, and they've stayed. And in many cases, they've done everything legally right. They've, they've, when, when it was time, when they no longer stay illegally, they began the process of trying to stay here legally. But we have a really broken immigration system, terrible federal bureaucracies that take way too much time, take years to do things that could be done in matters of days or weeks. Um, I mean, you know, it's funny. People complain about the government can't do anything right, you know, uh, in other contexts. And this context will tell you, hey, you know, everything's perfect. And if you're in any violation, it must be the person's fault, not the government's fault, right? Um, so that's the context. I mean, you know, we, we don't – the wall is, I mean, is nonsense. I mean, that's not how we control immigration in the past. And in fact, you know, the way things work in this country is it's not even a wall. I mean, the – you know, a lot of um, if you if you drive down to that part of the state, I'm a California columnist. You're not going to be um, sort of checked, you know, right at the border. You're going to be checked several miles from the border. I mean, we have sort of zones near the border, the hundred miles zone, and all that. I mean, I don't want to bore you with the details, but the ultimate thing is, I mean, yeah, I mean, the people with California residency cards, or however we identify them, would be would not be welcome in, in other parts. So I would hope other states might follow um, uh, our, our thing. And we wouldn't want to have dangerous and violent people in the state either. I mean, you know, anyone convicted of violent felony, I mean, under current laws is, is, is not welcome here. Um, I think a residency program should try that. I mean, the people we're trying to protect are, um, you know, people, you know, haven't, haven't done anything violent, haven't, you know, committed a serious crime. But have family members who are U.S. citizens or legal permanent residents, uh, people who are veterans of the U.S. military. There's a lot of people who, who, who are in the U.S. military and veterans of it who are not U.S. citizens. Um, and I would include their spouses, probably, the veteran spouses. 
asylum seekers. I mean, that's something where, you know, there's just gross violation of law, constitution, and all sorts of treaties and basic principles of human rights by the current administration. People coming to, for your protection to seek asylum are, um, you know, that's, uh, that's, you know, those people should have actual protection while they go through that process. Um, and, and, and then the, the dreamers, you know, who are now without, without status, that's, that's a couple hundred, that's 800,000, I think, people nationwide, it's a couple hundred thousand of those are in California, 25% of them. Um, you know, that's who you're trying to talk about. You get to decide who your residents are, as a state has the right to do in our system, um, and you protect them. And you don't, you know, we're not, I mean, I mean, much better to know who everyone is to bring people out of the shadows. I and mean, that's the other virtue, right? You know, when people have the status of residency, they might be able to do other things like, like you know, make illegitimate businesses or businesses in the shadows legitimate so they can grow, get different kinds of financing. I spent a long time in South L.A., South Central to the world. And, you know, there's tons of, like, very ambitious people who have been here for 10, 15, 20, 30 years who have businesses that they could grow and do more with, but that for their status, giving them status would be this economic boom. Um, you know, I mean, the notion that this that these immigrants are in some ways an economic weight is nuts. I mean, this is being told to us by a president who thinks that, you know, putting tariffs on things is a, anything less than a disastrous economic strategy. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's um, yeah, I mean, that that's the idea. Joe. There's no... There's no need for a wall unless you're, you know, foolishness. Plus, I mean, the car. I agree. I not easy to cross. <laughs> it's not that easy. What, to what you're really uh, describing, you know, now you've now that you've clarified or explained um, yeah, yeah. more about your approach, you've captured my imagination. What you seem to be describing is, uh, in a very formal way, California becomes a sanctuary state. Uh, and as, as in official status, that is, California creates a status, California residency. And what you're really saying is people who California will permit to have this status who are otherwise in the country illegally under federal law, so yeah. long as they stay in California, they do not have fear of deportation. Uh, and even if they leave California, if they go to Nevada or to Texas, they, the worst that can happen to them under your theory is they get deported back to California. Not the worst thing that can happen to somebody, I dare say, is to be especially um, because of the weather. So I, I think what you're saying is, uh, is it fair to summarize what you're saying? Is this a fair characterization? that you are proposing that the federal government, if if help is needed at the federal level, the federal government endorse the concept of sanctuary states, and then you're encouraging California, hey, California, it is good for civic life and good for business for you to be a sanctuary state. It will be good for the economy, people will be happier here, and only good will come of it. Is that a fair yeah. summary of your proposal? It is. I would also point out it's also good for the U a lot of U.S. citizens who are in um, the same family as um, as people who are now under fear. Um, it also gives protection from. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm not a big ideologue. 
um, I mean, I think context matters, and the context here is the federal government that is sort of, you know, it's a ter- I mean, ICE is a terribly uh, incompetent, um, abusive federal bureaucracy um, that, and this predates Donald Trump. I mean, it goes its, its whole, you know, history, still less than two decades, and we somehow managed to survive as a country without it. Now it seems it's pitched as essential by the Trump folks. Um, you know, we just want to protect people from that, and we also want to protect families. I mean, you know, it's not, I mean, there are a lot of families that are mixed, right? And in many cases, it's, you know, it's American, um, American adults, younger adults and children with parents or grandparents who, who are more likely to be undocumented. And, and that's, you know, you're just, I mean, it's essentially trying to keep families together long before there was this big controversy about separating, you know, people basically fleeing Central America at the border from their children. Um, um, the policy of family separation is, been the policy for years. I mean, aggressively pursued by the Obama administration um, and the late sort of Bush administration, which is to um, to separate um, American children from their parents. I mean, I see this. I went from a, you know, not that many years ago, uh, people across the street from me in L.A. were um, the parents were um, separated by ICE. Came uh, came in early in the morning, uh, took the parents away, deported them. Uh, leaving behind an 18-year-old who was about to start her freshman year at UC Riverside uh, with her four-year-old brother, <laughs> you know, alone to make it as they may. Um, that is, that's, uh, you know, um, uh, the you know, what in that case I dug into it and it turned out that the mother had once been accused of shoplifting uh, and they had been previously deported, so they had second illegal entry. Um, but it strikes me that that's the sort of person, the sort of people who should be protected by a California residency program uh, so they can raise their American children, one of whom has gotten into our elite university system. Um, and so she could actually do that and not have to, to you know, quit to take care of her four-year-old brother. Um, that's the kind of context I'm thinking about. Most economists, and, and I'll include Milton Friedman, who's written a lot about this. Milton Friedman, of course, is a one of the most well-known um, libertarian free market economists. Nobel May he Prize rest in peace. Winner. I interviewed Milton, him several times when he was live. Yeah. Ah, Uncle did Milton. you? Interesting. Well, <laughs> yes. well, Milton, Fre- Milton Friedman uh, thought about long and hard about immigration and how immigration can co- can exist, how an open border policy can exist in a welfare society. And I say that with no pejorative. That's just a statement of fact. Yeah, yeah. The United States yeah. has reasonably ge- generous welfare benefits, as we all know. And Milton Friedman concluded, and his conclusion carries infinitely more weight than almost anybody else's. Milton Friedman concluded in a data-driven analysis that uh, immigration, an open border, more or less, policy cannot exist in a welfare state. It will bankrupt us. And therefore, he said, ideally, he said, you're not going to agree, Joe, that we have to scale back the welfare benefits. Well, of course, our society is not quite ready for that, perhaps never will be. But if you don't do that, then you have to simply deny welfare benefits to immigrants or else the system will will die. 
It, you can't have the two policies. Both I, are I, important. They can't co- coexist. So I am. Um, um, I haven't read his work on that subject. I spent much more time talking about tax policy and his involvement in the development of Prop 13 and some other things since he was Californian and you know, Stanford. Um, and getting rid of the draft. But, uh, but I would, and I getting would, rid I would, of the argue, draft. I would, I would dispute that premise. I actually think um, societies with relatively high degrees of welfare need immigration um, because um, particularly aging societies like our own, and you see this even more dramatically in a place like Japan, um, you need uh, younger people to be you need productive young workers who pay taxes to cover, um, you know, our, our welfare suite of things, which um, disproportionately go to older people uh, because they tend to be sicker and, and most, most of our welfare goes to health. Um, so there, and there's very little uh, evidence of, of using, uh, of using um uh, you know, sort of the bankrupting of such. And I mean, where you see it in California where we've extended, um, you know, Medi-Cal to undocumented kids. I mean, that's a, there's virtue in that. I mean, if those kids stick around, you know, become Americans, we want them to be healthy. So they're well-educated, uh, are productive taxpayers who pay for, you know, the retirements and all the benefits that go to older people. Um, you know, that's the, that's the that's the weight. I mean, that that I think is you know, and they also you know do well enough that they can buy your house, uh, which you may need to sell <laughs> to pay for in mm-hmm. this country to pay for all the things you need at the end of your life. Um, so that's the, I think mean, I mean to me that's the context of it. And I think the problem I mean contextually, you know, we still you know the the sort of the Trump argument makes it sound like we're in the 1970s and 80s when all this immigration into the country. Um, we don't. Um, I mean, the only crisis is, you know, been capacity has been created by the way that, that, that this has been handled. I mean, we have very low, almost historically low levels of immigration. Um, you know, we've had a period in the last decade where, you know, we had, you know, net zero negative immigration from here in Mexico, which has been a big source of immigrants. And Latin American immigration is way down. I mean, California, uh, immigration from Asia is more than that from Latin America. And those are still at very low levels. And that's a problem. I mean, we actually need right now more immigrants. We have, um, you know, in the country, we have historically high uh, levels of job openings. We have massive shortages of skilled workers and college graduates. We certainly should be pursuing more immigration amongst people who either are skilled workers or college graduates or are very likely to become those folks. Um, I mean, there is a. That's the conversation we should be having. Um, I mean, we. I mean, it's 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 sort of shocking. I mean, and that's where I think you know it's pretty obvious that the a lot of the policy we're seeing and the conversation we're having is sort of driven by, not by the realities of immigration, but by, um, you know, fears, right? You know, racial and ethnic fears uh, are driving it, not a sort of logical. You know what's actually happening at the border. I mean, the border is not hordes going. I mean, I go to the border. It's not hordes crossing. Um, it's it's not. And and the extent people are crossing, they're crossing both ways. In New Mexico, there people are are going back. Um, I mean, it's just a different context. You know, the you know Latin American birth rates have really have gone way down, just like American ones. Um, and you know, and our birth rates here are now low, well below replacement. 
in California and dropping. Last year, California had the lowest birth rate in recorded history, lower than even during the depths of the Great Depression. So that's California is a place we have a lot of immigrants, but they've been here a long time, right? Um, we don't have that many new immigrants, and we could uh, use some, um, particularly those um, who have the capacity and the desire to become well-educated <laughs> um, and thus productive members of society. This is Bob Zadig. I'm speaking with Joe Matthews. Joe has written a very intriguing piece for uh, Zocalo Public Square, which caught Zocalo, my Zocalo. attention and captured my... Zocalo, sorry, which captured Zocalo. my imagination and... Uh, sorry, Z- Zocalo. Zocalo, sorry, Zocalo. Joe. Uh, I, I apologize. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Zocalo. Like, I got it now. Okay. I'll never make yeah. the mistake again. And Joe and I are discussing the concept of a California residency, a special immigration status where California can become sort of a sanctuary state. Is it good for California? Could California lead the way and show the vibrancy and the importance of the Tenth Amendment, an amendment that's not quite an amendment? More about that after the break. We'll be back in 60 really short seconds to further our discussion on federalism and immigration policy. Please stay tuned. Lots more to follow. Secret Sauce, the founder's original recipe for limited American democracy, is a new ebook based on the best interviews from The Bob Zadak Show, California's longest-running libertarian talk show. Bob and his guests tell the story of the Great Compromise at the Constitutional Convention and the prediction by certain founders of a dangerously powerful federal government to come. Were anti-federalists right? Is there such a thing as too much democracy? Learn more by downloading your free copy today from BobZadak.com. That's BobZadak.com. Welcome back to the Bob Zadig Show, the longest-running live libertarian talk radio show in all of radio, the show always of ideas, never of attitude. This morning we're speaking with Joe Matthews. Joe has written an interesting piece in Great American Tradition, Let California Take Undocumented Immigrants. Joe's proposal uh, in part suggests an immigration status called California residency where otherwise undocumented immigrants would be lawfully in the state of California even if perhaps not welcome legally in other states. That, of course, invites a conversation of one of my favorite topics, which is federalism. Federalism is a concept which reminds us that since our country's founding, uh, we had uh, separate but equal uh, levels of government, the federal government, which in theory in the Constitution was only assigned certain enumerated responsibilities and powers, and all other powers were given uh, to the states. In fact, I would like to, it's only one short sentence, uh, open this discussion of federalism with a quote, with the the one sentence, short sentence, uh, Tenth Amendment to the Constitution, often forgotten but 
needs to be, uh, we need to be reminded of that. The Tenth Amendment to the Constitution says, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, uh, are reserved to the states respectively and to the people. In other words, almost all the powers are reside in the states or in the people and only enumerated powers are reserved for the federal government. That seems like a bit of a cruel joke when you read it today given the power of the federal government, but Joe's suggestion reminds us of the 10th amendment that why not devolve power back to the states, in this case, the power to grant residency status, to put out the welcome mat for a certain class of undocumented immigrants. Uh, Joe uh, suggests this California would set the standards, and therefore, otherwise illegal immigrants would be welcome, would be in the sunshine, would have driver's licenses, would have many of the rights um, of residents, perhaps all of the rights of residents, not citizens, but residents. And that, of course, brings to mind um, and invites a discussion of federalism. One interesting sidelight before uh, I turn it back over to Joe is uh, I've read to you what is called the Tenth Amendment. Rather strange title, even though it's the Tenth Amendment and it's part of the Bill of Rights, is that as I read it, it doesn't amend anything. It's a reminder. It's a don't forget, folks, that a lots of power resides in the states. So it doesn't in any way amend the Constitution. It just tells readers of the Constitution, don't forget about the states because the founders felt that was important. So interesting why it's called an amendment when it doesn't amend anything. That's for another show, perhaps, perhaps for no show ever. I wanted to just mention that. Now, Joe, isn't um, isn't it fair to say that you, in your proposal, you are simply embracing, uh, at least insofar as immigration is concerned, the concept of federalism and saying, why not have at least part of our immigration policy decided by the states? And if you are right, Joe, that California can give welfare benefits or some welfare benefits uh, to California residents who are otherwise undocumented uh, aliens or undocumented immigrants, whatever this word you want to use, sure. that California will show maybe Joe is right or maybe Joe is partially right or maybe Joe is wrong and California will become, in the words of Justice Brandeis, yet another uh, innovator of democracy, which is what the states are supposed to be. So you and I don't have to agree on whether it'll work or not. We do agree it ought to be tried. Right. I mean, that's right. I mean, this, certainly this is Tenth Amendment territory. It's federalist territory. Um, you know, it's, I mean, the, of course, the great irony is that a lot of sort of liberals and progressives who um, in other times and other contexts um, have not been great fans of the Tenth Amendment have been willing to, in the context of President Trump, um, really sort of embrace its full fruits. Um, I would say California does have a history of such carve-outs and exemptions, and probably the best-known ones involved, um, you know, are now almost 50 years old, date back to, to 
uh, powers and exemptions that we were granted um, under President Nixon, a Californian himself, uh, you know, around to pursue sort of different policies and higher standards around, uh, you know, auto emissions, air quality, and the like, in part because of our um, our famous uh, problem of smog uh, here. Um, so that, I mean, and we still we still utilize that, but that is, of course, now being contested um, by the Trump folks. Um, we're not Tenth Amendment people or much even really constitutional people, I would argue. Um, therefore, the guy in charge getting to decide everything he wants. But um, that's the larger problem. That's a bigger problem than what we're talking about today. Um, and you know, we 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 have a lot of um, we have a lot of different rules. I mean, I, I'm not sure it's always a great thing. Um, I mean, just you know, uh, I mean, I could you know tell you lots of funny stories about um, when it gets in the areas of licensing and occupational life in the state, which is completely crazy and overdone. Um, all kinds of licensing structures, but we often we don't. Uh, in many cases, we proudly don't align. Um, with, uh, you know, other kinds of, you know, I mean, you can be an architect anywhere in the world, for example, um, um, but you have to, the California has an entirely different set of rules and a different test you have to take. Uh, the, the, basically, the international architecture sort of rules, which apply everywhere else in the U.S., don't apply here. Um, I mean, some of it comes from litigation. Um, you know, for example, this is a, um, it's actually something of quite import when you get into special education, for example. Um, and you're trying to test people to um, kids to find out, you know, um, if they've got learning disabilities. Um, there are actually specific limits as a result of court case. I mean, basic, make it basically illegal to give an IQ test to an African-American kid. Uh-huh. You know? Well, what's interesting, I mean, Joe, yeah, Joe, crazy. what's interesting is you, <laughs> you mentioned licensing. I have done lots of shows on licensing. It's an issue of great importance to libertarians because it denies economic freedom. But what's interesting is California, which has had in recent history a very strongly democratic, i.e. progressive administrations, pretty much in total control of all branches of state government, is the state with uh, economic freedom index uh, of... 49th or 50th out of 50. So California, in the exercise of its constitutionally given right of what it can legislate as a state, has failed in many ways. And it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, it's been progressives often are the proponents of those licensing rules under because states have the power to do so. And California, I was surprised you picked that because California has a pretty shameful background yeah, in no, licensing. I it's, 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 I agree. Uh, but I agree. I mean, but, we, we've done now on this, on like this water, water, and um, I would say healthcare, where we've, we've had freedom. We've tried to be um, generous. Certainly, our extension of Medi Cal benefits to undocumented folks is an example of us uh, exercising our. Uh, rights under federalism. We do a lot of other things in, in, in a lot of other areas. And uh, we have a big fight now, uh, and have had it with both Obama and Trump, uh, on education standards where we've uh, very much sought to go our own way. That's being driven by the, by the very powerful, uh, the bigger and more powerful the, the teachers' unions in the state. And so, you know, I mean, it's, there's good and bad to all of this, depending on where you're coming from. 
Now, Joe, you had mentioned before the break that you you seem to favor um, allowing uh, those otherwise uh, illegal or undocumented immigrants who have the status of California residency. You seem to uh, welcome the idea, or not being opposed to it, of giving them full or somewhat meaningful welfare and other similar type health care benefits. And I was wondering why that would be part of your proposal. If the assumption is, or at least it's my assumption, that most immigrants come here not for the purpose of welfare. They come here for the American dream, which is not home ownership, but the American dream is to live free and to have their children have the possibility of a better life than they had, and to simply uh, live with the ability to preserve their life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's the American dream. If that's why immigrants seek to come here, since they're not coming here for welfare benefits, why do you find it appropriate or necessary or desirable to also offer them some bonus, as if freedom needs a bonus, to offer them the bonus of welfare benefits, wouldn't you have a policy that's more acceptable to more people if you had a period of time uh, during which these holders of California residency would not be entitled to most benefits other than perhaps education and perhaps emergency health care, maybe. Why do you feel it necessary to throw in the bonus? Well, because it's in, it's in the reason you, one of the reasons you listed come, to have your children do better. And, and you want children to have health care and health coverage. You don't want them in emergency rooms that's more expensive. Um, so having kids on Medi-Cal. Um, and, you know, we're now at a point where... Well, far behind immigrants, half the kids in California are on Medi-Cal, and a third of all, more than a third of all Californians are. Um, so I want them to be. I want younger immigrants to be younger, so they're not big users of of, uh, of such benefits. And you know, even the, the legal folks who are eligible and undocumented folks are less so. I mean, made this exception for kids and Medi-Cal, which seems wise. Um, educational benefits. I want them to be healthy. I want kids to be developed well and healthy. I mean, this only works if you integrate kids and make them healthy, you know, and ultimately, hopefully, some of them wealthy um, members of society um, so we can have sort of the investments we need. I mean, that's the, that's the basic reason to do it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, would, I would much rather, I mean, what are you talking about, the suites, the, the suite of benefits? Not terribly generous, um, but if you're looking at, like, you know, sort of, you know, basic family of three sort of welfare benefits, which are still at like 700 bucks a month in California. Um, not too much, not going too far. And I think people are using, you know, need the, the assistance of, uh, of, uh, of SNAP, of food stamps to, to feed their kids. I mean, I would, I would orient it. I mean, I probably, you know, I mean, they're residents and we could make them eligible or not eligible for certain benefits. They would be in a class of folks that we, Give, but I would try to, you know, give. I mean, I would focus on giving families and particularly children what they need to succeed. Because, I mean, this this really works for the state when the kids do well and succeed and become taxpayers and buy your mother's house when she dies. You know, I mean, that's that's what we're talking about here. 
Um, so that's the idea. I mean, I don't, I don't want to throw money at people and make people dependent. I, you know, I, I think you want you're looking for the supportive benefits that do the opposite. Um, they get people who may be poor when they start out through. I mean, I mean, certainly things that the kind of benefits that make people eligible for in-state tuition, not that that's any bargain <laughs> anymore in today's California, um, but the extent you can do that, that's, that's smart. I mean, does it, does it put people on a growth trajectory? That's what you're, that's what you're looking for. Um, and you could, isn't it. there a danger? Yeah. Isn't there Sorry. a danger that since, um, People respond to the appropriate incent- to incentives and to stimuli that if, for example, the deal was if you become a California resident, you will have economic freedom, you will earn money, you can be hired, you will pay Social Security, and you will be in the economic system, but for a period of time, you will not be in the welfare system, then wouldn't that have the effect of eliminating whatever number it is? And I don't know how much it is, and maybe it's very low, but wouldn't that eliminate those immigrants who are motivated primarily to get welfare benefits? I'm suggesting it's not a very high number anyway. I'm not trying to right, impugn right. that. I have too much respect for that. immigrants. You could do that. You could do what you suggest. I mean, you could do what you suggest. I mean, of course, you know, life is complicated. I mean, you have the mother who comes who's, you know, asylum seeker from El Salvador, comes with two kids, um, is working two jobs, uh, training kids to school, and let's say she's got an older mother that she wants to bring. That older mother might need, is older, has health things, is going to draw more, but the mother also helps her, you know, pick up the kids from school and, 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 I mean, you know, I mean, these things are complicated, and, and, you know, I don't, I mean, I, 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 I think, you know, you know, you're talking a lot about freedom and <laughs> I mean, people often find their best solutions. Um, and I certainly would rather have that mother, even if, she, if, if, even if she's not working and is, you know, um, you know, I don't know, getting the benefits of Medicare, right? Um, she has a real economic value uh, long term. Uh, if those kids are safe and they're being picked up from school and they're doing their homework so the, the mother can, you know, work and prosper. I mean, that's the, I mean, that's sort of the context, the context of reality here. If our benefits are too generous and, and we're having to look at that, I mean, just with the, the aging shape of our society, um, you know, um, can we continue to be this generous and, and, you know, uh, be able to afford these for, you know, uh, particularly the older age stuff for people like me, you know, Gen Xers who are 25 to 30 years away from retirement. Um, you know, that's a, that's a bigger question, but I mean, um, making sure those immigrant kids do well, the, 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 the asylum seekers kids do well, if they stick around, um, that's the, you know, you know, that's, that's where the long-term economic value is to all of us. I have, um, I have, uh, just <clears throat> one thought, um, the generous you were used was generous benefits. Those benefits, uh, while they are valuable, uh, the fault line, perhaps, or a fault line between how I would approach your suggestion of California residency would be, while those benefits, health and other 
societal benefits are, of course, valuable. But what I would suggest that my view would be the system to provide those ought to be voluntary, charities and churches and the like. And if Californians felt that immigrants needed that added benefit, those who felt that way could contribute, and those who didn't feel that way wouldn't, would not contribute. The fund would be created to be used for the purpose of providing those benefits to immigrants. But forced charity is something that I just find myself just immediately railing against. Charity well, is good, but charity that's a is... View. Very, that's a very principled you, libertarian view, and you're a libertarian. I mean, I'm... I, I'm a squishy moderate, and uh, <laughs> and um, I mean, I do think that that sort of system would be um, you'd be a very different society, um, and you would have uh, a less wealthy society. Um, and a maybe society more, maybe more wealthy. Uh, I don't think so. I think you'd have a society. Um, I mean, look at the history of our state. The heart of it, when it succeeded, it, it's not the government. And it's not private. It's actually sort of social compact stuff with the two working together. I mean, that's that's kind of the story of the place and where we um, and also, I mean, I think that's a very that's a deeply individualist um, way of looking at it. I respect that. Um, but um, I think we know a lot more about how, how humans work, um, how human biology works. And we're not. Um, we're not really, uh, we're not so individual. <laughs> um, we're profoundly, um, you know, parts of uh, of uh, of other of other of other people, our families, the people we that we're around, and we're profoundly shaped by the, actually the places, our geography, the neighborhoods and communities and places we're in. Um, and so I think that you know I think that kind of approach doesn't square as well. Uh, with that well, actually, so families, I, no, 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 families no, are kind of... I would say where I, where I would meet you, where I would meet you, is, I mean, honestly, I'm talking about state-level stuff, but I don't really particularly like our state government. It's way too powerful and too centralized. That's probably why I agree with the libertarians on it. I wish a lot of these things were done at a very local level. I mean, I would, I would, I mean, if it were me, I would do what the Swiss do, uh, a very free society um, where, you know, citizenship and and um, and tax collection, um, those kind of things are done at the local level, and then some of the money flows up. Uh, um, you know, to me, that's the happy medium between what you're talking about, where, where no forced charity. You know, where you know these things are decided at the local level. I mean, you know, we don't really live in the state. I mean, this is such a big state, and we're about to cross into 40 million people. You know, we live. We're about to become three states. Places. We may become right. three no, we're states. Not, we're not. That got kicked off the ballot. This it's week. off. Um, it's off the ballot. It's off the ballot. Yeah, yeah. Joe, but, we have um, Joe. I mean, we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, yeah, yeah. I agree. We 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 are totally simpatico on that. We have a couple of minutes left. Uh, I'd like to raise just to test your federal federalism bona fides. Now okay. let's. We only have time for maybe one more topic, um, very briefly. Minimum wage laws are a big deal in this country. It's been, mm -hmm. it, it may be a topic in 2020 or 2018, who knows, but it gets talked about a lot. Joe, minimum wage laws, federal 
we have a federal minimum wage law and states and cities and localities all have living wage laws, have their own wage laws, which are higher than federal. Would you support now that you are or now that you have certain see certain benefits of the principle of federalism? No federal minimum wage. Let the states decide, just like you would have states decide immigration policy. Anything wrong with that? No, and probably because the issue I'm not a big fan of minimum wage laws. Um, um, I mean, I don't like the statewide ones so much here even. I, I, I Again, that, particularly because I spend a lot of time in different parts of California and our regional economies are so different. If you're going to have those laws, which I would tend not to want to have, I would. they should be at the you know, we're a collection of regional economies, and they should be at a regional level, not a state level, but certainly not a federal level. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've covered that, and, and I read a lot about direct democracy and lead a global forum on direct democracy. Um, and, and you know, basically that's um, – I feel like the people in California who reach for that, you know, are, you know, are, are folks who are worried about inequality and what's happening in the middle class and – have not found the tools or figured out how to revive it or, or their ideology keeps them from thinking about better ways to revive the economy and, and revive middle class. And so they reach for that out of desperation because it's something they can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's an easy one. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately things like wages should be set at the, the, at the unit of economy. And in this country, our economies are very much regional. How about set at the level of the market and never mind government at all? Again, your libertarian bona fides are, are unchallenged. Uh, um, I mean, that you could... Just you could curious. That, but Yeah, but I, I mean, I do think it should be... I mean, if you're going to do that, which I'm not sure you want to, but if you're going to do it, it should be done at the level by the people who are living in, dealing with the economy, with, in consultation with people who work there and own businesses there, um, and the like. I mean, there. You know, it's. I, I'm a big believer in in participatory democracy, and I could see. I mean, in my ideal world, I would have not so much elected officials, but regular folks who have some background, um, who are in the economy, or employers, different people representing different roles, who you know would decide, you know, regional economic policy, and and make those decisions based on their you know their knowledge and experience. But you know. Joe, tell our listeners about Zocalo. Tell us about Zocalo Public Square, uh, what its its mission is, and how our friends out there can follow your writing. Sure. It's ZocaloPublicSquare.org. We do two things. We put on free public events, about 40 or so a year, um, mostly in Southern California, but um, in other parts of California around the country via partnership with the Smithsonian, where we do events and publish essays about what it means to be American. Um, um, and then, uh, and we, we publish on all kinds of topics. We're very eclectic, um, but often about place and ideas. Uh, we're not media nonprofit. Um, so we publish daily, put on free public events and, um, and, uh, try to do it in a very open ecumenical spirit. Um, our, uh, our motto is, uh, we connect people to ideas and to each other. <laughs> um, so any, Joe, thank, thank you so much. John Philip Souza is telling us we're all done here today. Joe, thanks so much for joining us for this hour. 
I, I truly enjoyed it, as I'm sure my listeners, our listeners have as well. This is Bob Zadig saying so long to Joe, so long to all my friends out there. I'll be back next Sunday for another hour of ideas, not attitude. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your Sunday.